Today on What Chaos, we're joined by Blackhawks rookies Connor Bedard and Kevin Korchinski. Tate McRae's pads are all wrong. The Oilers' rock bottom gets deeper. The Leafs are galvanized. The Bruins add a few more studs to the NHL's rookie party. Like, subscribe, press every button you can. Chaos! Tuesday means it's hockey day, and November 7th means it's Connor Bedard Day on What Chaos. Up, everybody, DJ Bean, Pete Blackburn. Happy Bedard Day, boy. Yeah, at long last, it took us two whole interviews to get Connor Bedard, the best rookie in the league. You're going to, and we're going to talk about some other rookies as well. You're going to want to hear it. If you're listening to it right now, you're probably going to be listening to it later because we got not only Connor Bedard of the Chicago Blackhawks, but fellow rookie sensation Kevin Korchinski. We interviewed them both together. It was a blast, but there is a ton going on in the hockey world today. You got the Oilers now getting even more on rock bottom watch than we thought. The Leafs are galvanized. The Bruins have a farm system but pete we start with the hockey community being confused because canadian pop music sensation tate mccray has revealed the album art for her forthcoming sophomore album i believe think later and here it is in this cover you could see she is following the scissor model of wearing some hockey paraphernalia mm-hmm. on her album cover she's wearing goalie pads You can see the letters and words on them say, think later. The issue, Peter, as hockey fans are quick to uncover, is the pads are on backwards. The pads are on backwards, which is a tough look. But honestly, maybe the most brilliant marketing decision I've ever seen. Engagement farming? Engagement farming, especially with hockey Twitter. You know that if you do anything wrong, they'll jump all over you. And give you the most promotion that you'll ever get in your life. And they spent all day kind of making fun of Tate McRae for putting the goalie pads on backwards and gave her uh, the first slot on this show. And that's my issue now with hockey fans. I don't think they did a good enough job. I saw that and I didn't say the pads are on backwards. I said, too where's small. the rest of the too equipment? Small. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say too small. Like the pads, bring that back up. The, the pads there. Looking not enough coverage. They, yeah, they should go a little higher. And also in today's hockey climate, you want to be wearing like rafts out there. You want to be right. JS jaggering it. You ever see uh, Andre Vasilevsky? Right. That man, I know that he's on the uh, the old IR. Yeah. But that man just may as well be bubble boy in that load load that up but she also and we're, we're not picking on tate we're celebrating this hockey album cover uh not wearing any chest protector not wearing a glove doesn't have a mask doesn't have a stick if she tried to go on the ice the whistle would be blown immediately you know that i like to chat gpt slash ai oh boy what would it look like <laughs> yeah uh I generated what it would look like if Tate McRae did this album cover correctly. <laughs> and there you have, she's wearing, she's wearing a blocker. I was able to affix a, uh, a glove to her left hand, put okay. a nice mask on her. 
uh, tweaked the title of the album or mm-hmm. the text that was on there, but that's the fix. That uh, that looks pretty good. That looks way uh, way more game ready, and uh, yeah, that that could have been could have been avoided had she consulted the proper goaltending experts before going into that photo Us. shoot. That's, that's not true. so not hockey fans on Twitter who was like, why is this person like we were just like, yo, not enough pads. Yeah, no, not enough pads. Uh, but Tate McRae has been really leaning into the hockey market as of late, because I know that um, she had a single called Greedy uh, uh, about a month ago that came out. The Greedy? music Gritty. Yes. And she it had a was song called Gritty. It was a power ballad directed towards the Philadelphia Flyers mascot. Nice. Uh, no, she had a song called Greedy, and the music video was filmed entirely inside a uh, what looked like a community hockey rink. Okay, I did. I know there were shots of. Uh, I haven't. Uh, I, I haven't taken the deep dive yet on the Tate McRae music catalog. We have reached out to her people though, because mm-hmm. we want. Would to love give to have her, her as a guest. I mean, if she's leaning fully into the hockey, uh, hockey she sphere, join, she should join the number two ranked the number hockey one podcast, ranked podcast in the world. I just right misread. Now. I if misread we get, two and said one. Okay, well, I mean, if we get Tate McRae, maybe number one. Um, I do know. I don't know much about Tate McRae. I do know that she uh, was, maybe is, I think definitely was in a relationship with Cole, Cole Sillinger. Okay. Blue Jackets prospect. So I don't, so I don't care about that. You know, from like the brunch <laughs> Uh, I'm just days. saying, right? Like, just I saying, like to she's do... in the hockey world, and people know her uh, for her music, and also because she was the girlfriend, maybe ex-girlfriend, definitely ex-girlfriend of Cole Sillinger. Okay, well, well, we we, we don't want to uh, gossip too much here, but is Jay Woodcroft gonna get fired? <laughs> because we thought yesterday, Pete, that we were seeing. The big, the the deepest cratering the Oilers could do, and we were even saying like, how I didn't much? Think that well, it we can saying, always get worse. Like, when does it get worse? And we were talking long term. I also did think it would get like a little worse, and we didn't get a chance to talk about the Oilers and betting odds. I'd like to get to that in just a minute, but I didn't think the very next day we would have to get Oilers in the show early because we all had Oilers Canucks circled last night and the Oilers come out Ekholm puts them up one nothing they outshoot the Canucks I want to say like 17 2 in the first 10 it was 19 to 2 allow three straight goals wheels completely fall off Connor McDavid decides to rebrand as a bad bitch Jay Woodcroft gets (laughs) tossed out of the game and something Pete about the sixth goal they allowed with like 55 seconds left that was tough that really felt like the end of of something it didn't feel like the end of anything it felt like the beginning of (laughs) the oilers downfall the wheels are coming off it's crazy uh yeah i mean the goaltending is obviously the biggest issue here and you can look at that in one of two ways because i can't i don't know anything about goaltending i've said that forever i evaluate goaltending based off of how much i like the goaltender um smart and yeah right like on a personal level um the goaltending is bad it's the 32nd ranked uh team in terms of save percentage in the league you can't win no matter who you have uh you can't win if you have the worst ranked goaltending in the league um but without being able to evaluate goaltending my thought is well it can only get better and if they even get league average goaltending and i think that Stuart skinner is better than what he's shown 
to this point. He was bad last night. Skinner uh, was really, really bad last night. It I could only get better, but like they do need a fix because you can't put yourself into this deep a hole and you just can't win without goaltending. I was uh, having a boys' night with Sean watching the the game, and he allowed a goal that he would just kind of beat cleanly, and I was like, goalies usually make the first save these days. I just like, I, I need, as an Oilers fan, mm-hmm. need, need a save there. And shortly after, he kicks out a huge, he makes the first save, kicks out a huge rebound, and they score on the rebound. And he's, I don't want to say he's not it, but like, they're in a position right now where every small thing turns into a big thing mm-hmm. that you need your goaltender to, if not bail you out, at least not exacerbate the problem. And yeah. right now their goaltending is For exacerbating sure. the problem. I do think that there's a road back. Um, but like you mentioned, this team is in a, it's like a snowball effect where everything that goes wrong seems like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the numbers, so if we want to get nerdy about it, the analytics have the Oilers with the second best expected goals rate uh, in the NHL, 23rd in reality. So, like, if if that comes back and meets somewhere in the middle and the goaltending improves, they're going to start to win games. But it's just a question of how long this skid goes on, how long everything feels like it's going to be the end of the world, and uh, is the, the hole too deep that you dig to start the season? I don't think right now the hole could be too deep, but it does turn what was a jokey thing we were talking about later this week on Thursday – the Oilers will play the Sharks in what could be, depending on what the Sharks do tonight, an opportunity for San Jose to get their first win of the season. I want to ask you this. Do you know how many teams currently separate the Oilers and Sharks in the standings? One. League-wide? One. Zero. The Sharks are 32nd in points. That's what I meant. And the the Oilers Oilers are are 31st. So... As jokey as you're like, oh, what if they beat the Oilers? Sharks are the worst team in the league. Oilers are the second worst team in the league. And <laughs> That's crazy. we saw Jay Woodcroft get uh, tossed out of the game with about 10 minutes left last night for giving the officials lip. If they lose that game on Thursday, he gets fired. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That, and I, I need the Sharks to, to lose tonight. Uh, they play the Flyers. Philadelphia Flyers. I need them to lose tonight. I'm going to be watching that game like it's my goddamn Super Bowl. I will be watching... Uh, if that happens, if they lose, I will be watching Thursday night's game, Oilers Sharks, like it's my second Super Bowl. Every every Oilers game to this point, even last night's game against the Canucks, was my Super Bowl. I I'm sorry, I'm like living for the Oilers to be a disaster right now, and I want them to come out of it eventually. I think the league is a, in a better spot when Connor McDavid and the Oilers are relevant. But I am really enjoying what's happening right now. The Oilers were my. Well, actually, no, based on our preseason predictions that we showed last week that were clearly done before the season. But at an earlier point in that offseason, I thought that the Oilers would get out of the Western Conference and make a run to the Stanley Cup final. Are they too lost right now? Because even when I thought they would go to the Stanley Cup final, I didn't place a wager, and I'm a betting man. Mm -hmm. I didn't place a future on them. I cautioned friends and betting friends to not place a future on them and to wait because I thought they would they would kind of dick around for a little bit. Yeah, the the odds would improve. Right, they would do some Oilers shit. The odds would improve, and basically you just try to pounce at the right time. I checked the odds 
like five days ago. They're probably better now, but they had gone from preseason plus 1,500 to, uh, as of a few days ago, plus 1,800. I imagine it's going to keep going in the direction of you're going to get better and better odds. Should you be viewing the Oilers as a potential 2019 St. Louis Blues team where they're going to crater, maybe fire the coach, but at the end of the day, the bones of the house are so good, they could still do some damage. No. Really? <laughs> no. Like oh, I don't you. think I don't think that the bones are are like I've abandoned my boy. I mean, they obviously have the pillars. I don't think that they have the fully constructed bones of the house. Like the the back end is such a problem. A defensive structure, goaltending, you can't can't win in this league without it. And uh we're starting to see like the the rest of the house start to crumble now. So, no, but I will tell you a bet that I did place yesterday. Connor McDavid to win the heart plus 250. Anytime you can get Connor McDavid to win uh, the heart at plus money is a good bet. Plus 250, like he is still delivering. And again, I think the Oilers will come out of this at some point. I think that they're going to make the playoffs. And, you know, if they suck the rest of the way and they still make the playoffs, Connor McDavid is going to win the heart because he'll be the reason he'll be dragging their lifeless corpse, him and Drysidle, to the playoffs. And he'll get, he'll probably have like 120 points still. And he'll win the heart because he's the most important player to that team. Oilers fans, please let me know if there is like a 33-year-old goaltender, like a rando dude in the Oilers system who could be, and I know that Bennington was young, but like who could be like the Aiden Hill type that just kind of comes out of nowhere but is kind of there and they're like, hey, why the fuck not? And he mm -hmm. ends up being the guy. If the, if the Oilers grow a rando goaltender, then... Buck yeah. That's I'm what in. that's what I mean. I can't, me evalu that can't evaluate goaltending. It is like magic beans in this league. You can just pick a guy off the street and for two months he'll give you a 940 save percentage. It happens seemingly all the time. So uh you can't rule it out. Last final thought on Oilers Canucks from last night. One of the best jersey matchups that I can remember. Oh, that was in, great. Uh, the yeah. Canucks wore the skate. Um just such a good look. And I don't love I I I hate like the take that like the Canucks should wear the skate all the time. But as a third jersey, it, it looks so good. And especially, I don't know, there was something about the matchup last night against the Oilers in, the, uh, in their away regulars that just, it worked so well for me. And I feel like the Canucks have a different sort of presence to them when they wear the skate. The thing about the skate jerseys I noticed last night was like the under of the like upper arms. Did you see that? They kept going like this. Yeah, because they kept like scoring. Like a bunch of times. They yeah. scored a million goals, so I was able to see that fucking part of the jersey, which is just like stripe to area. It's just okay. like the rest of the jersey. Oilers a mess. Meanwhile, the Leafs are officially, I say, galvanized because they opened the scoring last night against the Lightning, give up four straight, and I'm just kind of laughing my head off at that. Then they storm back, score four straight, are up four on the way to a character win, and of course, blow the lead, have to go to overtime, give up a goal in the final minutes of the game, and what a loss that would have been. They were about to get a character win. They blow it. It's so Leafs, but they come out in overtime, fucking dominate. Their first rush was so good that I said to Sean, I was like, 
they're toast because like oh, three on three is like just yeah. so back and forth. I'm like, you get a chance that good and don't score. The puck's going the other way. So you better hold your breath. But no, they dominate. They score, I want to say, 40 seconds in to OT. And not only – it's a galvanizing win because not only did they get a win that was going to be a character win, they got a character win and overcame a really fucking bad potential loss. Leafs, congratulations. You are galvanized. No. Yeah, they are. They're <laughs> no, galvanized. They're Congratulations on your 6-5 overtime win over Jonas, Jonas Johansson you, and, and the, the t- Tampa Bay Lightning who have stunk to start the season. Also, Congratulations. No, and you almost chunked it at the end. Right. Well, they did chunk it at the end. So you lose. They the, overcame you lose the, the Leafs. You, you know lose, how hard that is? You lose the character, the character morale-building victory when you had it locked up and then you ch- almost chunked it at the end and you barely scraped by. I don't think you feel super great about that if you're a Maple Leafs fan. Oh my God. It took, it's like having to use 33 pitchers in a game. And I know that baseball rosters don't work that way. This is a baseball podcast famously, but it's like having to go through every player, have position players pitch and you find a way to eke out the win. They did make a goalie change in that game. They pulled Samsonov, who was not very happy as he was leaving the ice. Yeah. But Second Massey's destroyed uh, already this season. Yes. Yeah. The, actually, I'll be honest. I didn't see the beginning of the game. Flipped to it as he was <laughs> fucking up his mask. Yeah. But he'd already fucked up the I, game. Um, the, the Leafs are not galvanized until they kick the shit out of a good team. That's, that's the only way that you can have some confidence in this team because they have not put together a full 60-minute effort. They haven't shown that they can... Kind of keep it together why for they, an entire game. Fucking Leafs. Why would they I put together a sixty-minute effort? Why I don't they... want them to. Like I, the Leafs might be my second favorite team in the league this season, just based off of the absolute chaos that they're inciting, both league-wide and within their own fan base. So I'm not rooting for it. But the only way that you can start to feel good about this Leafs team is if they kick the absolute shit out of a good team, and they haven't done it. Well. You can become ungalvanized, obviously. I wouldn't be just carelessly saying the Leafs are galvanized if I didn't think you can become ungalvanized. At some point, probably soon, they will ungalvanize. For now, Leafs, Steve Dangle, congratulations. Drink it up. You, my friends, are galvanized. Today is Connor Bedard Day. We have him and Kevin Korchinski on the show And we've taped a few interviews and we've had a lot of players on so far and they've been a lot of fun. This was an interesting one because these are the youngest people we've had on it. And Connor Bedard obviously has had tons of attention on him. What he says into a microphone is important because the the stakes are too fucking high. So this is somebody who coming in obviously accused of not having much of a personality or not Mm -hmm. showing much of a personality. It was a we, the, the gauntlet was laid down to us, and we were fucking ready to respond. I think it was our first challenge um, because, like you said, we had, we've had a bunch of players. You've only seen one, but we have a bunch of players coming up, all of, all of whom we either knew and had previous relationships with or we knew were, like, very personable, and so we knew that they would be good guests. This was the first one that was like, all right, let's see what we can bring out of, out of these guys as young people. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't know how much I want to reveal before we actually show the interview, but like, I don't, I don't throw Bedard into the class of like a McDavid, Sidney Crosby, where you're like, give me something like personality wise. 
it's there. I, I think that he's already shown it um, in several moments. I mean, even in training camp when he made the joke about like he's learning to cook and then he was somebody asked a follow-up question on what are you learning to cook and he was like i i just said that i was lying i'm not actually cooking anything like i i think that Connor bedard it has a personality i think that he's a, a really good kid i think that he's funny and uh you will start to see that personality come out and he will be a very marketable player as his career goes on and as he gets more comfortable i mean you look at even Connor McDavid and, and Crosby, both of those guys have personalities. Yeah. And Crosby, I think, has an underrated personality in the NHL. Big, uh, yeah, yeah. He big is, Crosby he's guy. a guy that I think is very funny, uh, is one of the boys. McDavid is getting a lot more comfortable in his own skin in terms of getting behind microphones and kind of and trying to kill people stuff. on the ice. <laughs> yeah, right. He's, he's gooning it up and, and giving us entertaining uh, interviews. So, like, Bedard is not in that category for me. This interview is not edited down. We could have edited it down and just only kind of had like highlights or whatever. But I think this whole thing is so good because there is a fucking arc to it where he does get comfortable, fucks around with us. Uh, Kevin Korchinski, I got to say, is like my favorite fucking kid in He's the world. He's a dude's rock guy. He's awesome. Uh also awesome. I grabbed the uh, lemon lime Olipop today, and Pete fucking copied me. That's the opposite took of the what happened. No, I was planning on doing a lemon lime, and then you took a lemon oh, lime. Oh, cool on planning on it. But it's delicious. Congratulations. It's it's delicious. And as you know, it's a prebiotic soda. Uh, five grams or fewer. Sean running over. Are you grabbing your own? Sean is grabbing the grape, the grape right now. and That is delicious, actually. Look. I don't need to, I don't think, even reference any notes on this anymore because we are such Olipop people through and through. We know that most Americans, two out of three, have some sort of digestive issues. This stuff got the fiber to make you feel good. You had two Olipops yesterday, not to ask about your uh, personal inside life, but were you moving? Uh, asked in the All City Slack, they were like, you're about to have some great movements tonight. Were you moving? I was moving. I was a, moving and grooving. A body moving. Not bad. Uh, so use all use chaos uh, on the. I fuck. I do have to go to the website. It is uh, drinkolipop.com. Use the code chaos for twenty five percent twenty fucking off your next Olipop order on drinkolipop.com. You can also find it in over twenty two thousand stores across the country, including Walmart. Target and Whole Foods. It's Olipop. You can get lemon lime, cream this soda, lemon lime grape, taste plastic similar, cola. similar to uh, the limonada. The oh yeah, limonada drink. It has. It's a little less like um, sour and bittery, mm -hmm. and uh, it goes down a little bit easier than than that stuff. Just not as sugary, but it's still mm -hmm. so. It's just so tasty. Here is Connor Bedard and Kevin Korchinski. Connor, what's the coolest thing a mic'd up ref has ever said to you before an opening face-off? Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we got one, so uh, I guess welcome to the league, I think. I don't remember too well, but uh, yeah. So. What's going through your mind is that's uh, happening because you're standing across from Sidney Crosby. You are about to do like one of the top five toughest jobs in hockey, which is beat Sidney Crosby at something. And so much of the focus 
is on you and you're in this kind of, not in a bad way, like you're in like a, a PR moment one second before all this begins? Um, I mean, I didn't think of it at all. The PR, I mean, I was playing hockey and uh, of course it was cool with Crosby facing off against him, kind of childhood idol. So he sucked the drawback on me, but um, <laughs> yeah, I tried my best and yeah, I wasn't thinking about kind of anything else. Kevin, uh, as a young guy, you want to get kind of caught up to the league and fit in with the veterans. Do you feel pressure to just like have a bunch of kids and get worse at skating so you can be one of the guys? <laughs> no. no, no, definitely. I haven't thought about that one, but yeah, it's like kind of fitting. It's been it's been good. We have such a good like veteran core, young guys kind of mix in. So um, yeah, you feel comfortable here. You feel like you can just go play hockey and have fun. So it's good. You look at the media attention that he gets, and you're like. Better him than me. Thank God it's not. Yeah, not yeah, he can, he can deal with it, not me. So he's probably better at uh, answering questions, anyways. So, I mean, for you, obviously the immediate attention has been insane. Was there any way that you could have been pre prepared for how much it was heading into the season? Um, no, but I mean, most of it is you're not really doing anything. I mean, there's interviews, and you know, I've been answering questions for for years now, so that doesn't bother me too much. But um, you know couple couple extra events for sure but I think you know I'm more grateful for it's kind of the first time in, in everything and all this so I'm having fun with it but it's definitely a lot of stuff and I think now it'll die down a bit for sure with the older guys and you know Felino particularly has there been a moment where you've been like thank god this guy is here to kind of help shepherd me in yeah we have a lot of really good guys obviously Pears and and Felino are two that you know, people kind of looked at as obviously the guy's been been around the league and uh, have experienced everything. I mean, Perry's won everything there is to win, and uh, so that's pretty cool just to hear from them and, and just watch them on an everyday basis, kind of how they go about their uh, their business. And um, for me and, and Kevin, all us young guys, it's, it's big to have guys like that. Everybody has uh, welcome to the NHL moments. Mazel tov, by the way, on scoring your first goal against the uh, reigning Vezina winner. Not bad. <laughs> Everyone has uh, like these welcome to the NHL moments. But just as a person in a new profession, did either of you guys have a welcome to the holy smokes, everything here is different kind of moment? I don't know how this works. I don't know what that thing they're talking about is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't really know. Like, <clears throat> I think it's <clears throat> definitely a lot more professional. I feel like just how everything's handled, like, um, Back in junior, like <clears throat> we're busting all of our games here. You charter, so <clears throat> just stuff like that. Like I don't know. Um, and then yeah, like well, NHL, like obviously, like just in warmups when you like look across your look across at these grown men, you're looking over at like Crosby, Pasternak, all these guys that um, you grew up watching. So that's kind of like it's just pretty cool to line up against those guys and really just go against them and um, just kind of see how you fare. So, but yeah, definitely, it's a different different better lifestyle than where you're on junior. Maybe the thing for me was when we came for development camp and you got introduced to like 50 people and they're all working for the team, which I thought was pretty cool. Like everyone has their specific job with the team and they're like, um, you know, a master of, of that one specific thing. So, you know, whatever you need, there's always a person for it. And um, I think that's that's something that kind of struck to me right when I got here. It sounds like the scene in the movie Annie, you know, Annie, Little Orphan Annie. No. Oh, yeah. No, she gets to Daddy Warbucks' house. You know what I'm talking about. He's got a fucking butler for everything yeah. and all these things. And she's like, this is not the world. I, I don't know. know. I don't know. I, I can't have no idea what you're talking I can't believe that you're the one because we were talking to the what other guys. Guess. Yeah. We were talking to the other guys and they were like, he doesn't watch anything. He doesn't yeah, know I anything. I was just like <laughs> getting called a robot by everyone else. Yeah. It's crazy. 
say something inflammatory right now, controversial, and then people will, won't think yeah. you're wrong. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> uh, what's the worst thing you could say? No. Um, how did it feel scoring your first goal on a wraparound? Because especially young forwards, people, you could make like a map of where people don't think you're going to go. You're not going to go to the house. You're not going to go anywhere near the net. You're not going to go in the corners. And you, I mean, since you've been in the league, really do kind of seem fearless with that. How did it feel scoring your first goal that way? Um, yeah, I didn't think about really how I scored it. Uh, it, was, it was a bit of a weird play. I just kind of threw it on net, and it popped there, and, you know, the hallmark didn't really know where it was. So, you know, I was kind of lucky, but... Um, yeah, maybe not the one I expect. I don't know if I had a wraparound goal all of last year, so um, definitely not something you expect. But yeah, with what you said about going to the net and stuff, I think guys are bigger and stronger, obviously, but uh, that's where goals are scored. So just try to figure out how to get there. But yeah, I didn't think about how it was scored, but it was definitely not what I was expecting, I don't think. What's your favorite song from Annie? <laughs> I have no clue. I know the one, um, like the famous one that they sing. The Hard Knock Life or whatever. Hard Knock Life. Yeah, all, you, you might know Tomorrow. No. Uh, yeah, I know that one too, actually. But probably Hard Knock Life is more popular. Boys, I'm not telling you how to live your lives. <laughs> Pop on the soundtrack. <laughs> Next time, maybe you're on a long road trip. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Miss Hannigan, she hates the kids, but she's got a lot of songs about how she... A lot of her songs are about how she's going to like kill the kids, so don't, <laughs> don't listen to all the songs. It's a great show, though. Peter. If you, uh, I mean, you guys don't pick your goal songs, right? No, no. Yeah, if I mean, I know the Sabers do it, and yeah. and Jeff Skinner picked a High School Musical. So if you guys had to pick your own goal song, what would you pick? I got no clue, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Um, probably just some like upbeat, like I don't know, like rap song, maybe. Just something that's like I don't know, pretty like hype and like get the fans going, mm -hmm. or maybe like a throwback, something like that, but. What's a throwback to I you? I was going to say, getting throwback? jiggy with it? Is I, that like... I don't even yeah, want to know the answer, but like, what is a throwback <laughs> to you guys? I don't, even, I don't even know, like on the top of my head. Yeah, you got this. What's, like, um, what's a throwback NHL jersey to you? Um, I mean, Mighty Ducks, I guess. Yeah, probably Ducks, first one, thank you. I mean, that's still a throwback yeah, to, yeah. to me. So Harry wore it, though. Oh, yeah, he was on the Mighty Ducks. Wow, you should ask him, just be like, hey, like... What was Gordon Bombay like as a coach? Was he? Oh, do yeah. you guys get that reference? <laughs> yeah. the, did you watch the movies? Yeah, I've, okay. I've seen the. I've only seen the one. Awesome. Aww. So I want to pull back for a second at the like people make you out to be a robot thing. Do you mind that, or do you like embrace like I am hockey and I am better at hockey than any of these other guys. So if I just need to be the hockey guy, fine, I'll be that. Yeah, I mean, I don't care um, too much what kind of people I don't know think or, or whatever, but um, I think it's, it's pretty funny how it works. You know, you do, a, do an interview where you get asked whatever the same question for the hundredth time, and, and it's like, oh, this guy, this guy sucks, you know? But, you know, you don't know these people, and uh, but everyone has an opinion, and that's how it's always be. I think you know, I was the same as a kid, you know, when you see a player, you, for whatever reason, you might not like them or, or anything. It's just how the world works, but, um, yeah, I mean... These people don't really know who I am, you know, off the ice, of course. But yeah, I, whatever I'm perceived as, fine. Uh, give us feedback. Which of the <laughs> questions we've asked have been asked in a million other interviews? Because I'm, I, I know that they're hitting the Annie stuff. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. trying to get. To <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't any. even think any. Yeah, yeah like I feel like most of that. Yeah, impressive. Do you uh, like? Yeah, uh, do you like that sort? I mean, Felino said that you are one of the guys and you'd love being in the room and shooting the shit with them and everything. 
obviously you're both at the beginning of very important jobs. So you're going to take it serious. And that's great that you're professional, but have you feel, do you feel that you're acclimated to like, okay, this is where we are now and I can bust chops and I can have my chops busted. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think both of us feel really comfortable in the room and that's something I think you're maybe more nervous about even than the hockey at first is like, I want to fit in and you don't know these guys are, you know, they got families and, and they're older and stuff, but, um, yeah, right away, I think all our guys made us feel so comfortable and going to the room, I feel, you know, super at home and, um, you know, it's always a safe place and, uh, you know, where you have some of the, some of the most fun is in the room or on the plane, on the bus. So, um, that makes it way more enjoyable. Was there a moment or a particular thing where you were like, damn, these guys are old, <laughs> like yeah. they're much older. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the mighty ducks. Yeah. Well, I think just playing with like being teammates with guys with families and kids, like it's just such a different like thought, like back in like junior playing with guys that are just like 16 year olds old, college or 50. And then you go and you're playing with guys that are in their thirties, late twenties. So it's just like, just, it's just so different. I feel, but like at the same time, like all the guys kind of focus on the same thing, just playing hockey and just gelling as a team and having fun. So it's uh, it's a pretty good dynamic school. And it's funny. What is it? Is it the 19 in junior? There's some guys that are there. That uh, 20. They're, they're yeah. allowed, uh, 320. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that was always said with that is like, there's some men in this league <laughs> because they're guys who stay and you're like, okay, so all right, this is what a man is. And yeah, then yeah. you get here and <clears throat> Lino has Lino's male, male yeah. all this. <laughs> that seems like something else from yeah. what was yeah. called. Those men had hair and shit like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, when you're like called up as a 15 for WHL, it's like, geez, like there's 20 year olds, like they're huge, like they got these beards, like, and then you get here and it's like, like they're actually men, like they got kids, like they're, they're, yeah, they're playing for their families. It's crazy. Yeah. So, have you chirped them for being old yet? Anybody? Uh, they chirp themselves a lot yeah. for it. I, I yeah. try not to, especially. Yeah, Kind of the first month here. What point during the season do you make a bald joke towards Nick Foligno? Yeah, <laughs> he says them so yeah. much that you don't even want to. I think that's his tactic. The thing yeah. though is, kids these days, and I've noticed this before. Like if I'm like shooting hoops and I see some kids like playing basketball, they're all being so nice to each other. And I truly do think that each generation is becoming a little more empathetic and a little nicer to each other. So generally are you the types that would be busting balls anyway or is it like going out of character to be like kind of a dick mm, no i mean like banter and stuff yeah like, i think like try to hurt someone yeah i'm not trying to hurt their anything. feelings but i feel like just like if you're kind of chirping a guy it just kind of makes him almost feel more welcome that you're just one of the guys like you're not thinking too much of it like right. i feel like if you're just like kind of not talking to the kid it's kind of weird but if you're just like chirping him and stuff like that it's kind of almost like you're including him what about uh, your experience on the ice so far from other guys on the, on the other side? How much attention is paid to you guys? I mean, specifically you, obviously, a lot of attention outside from the media, but like on the ice, you getting a lot of ten attention from guys on the other side? I mean, it's it's still just like hockey and uh, it's another, another level. And I mean, people are competitive and uh, you know, obviously there's no friends once you're playing, but I've had a few kind of congrats on the draft or first few games, which is great, makes you feel feel good but in the end you know you're, you're competing against them and once you get on the ice it's you're just playing hockey going off instincts so um nothing too crazy really when a player joins a team and they're known to wear a number oftentimes there'll be some sort of conversation between he and the person wearing that number and you figure something out and then that person gets the number connor 
was there any discussion when you joined the league with McDavid or Hellebuck of like, can you guys go by something else? I really like going by Connor and I'd like that to be my thing. <laughs> no, uh, that'd be great though. Kind of have your own, own step tag. aside. Yeah. Like, trademark your name, but no, I, uh, I actually got to train with McDavid a bit this summer though, which was, which was pretty sweet. He sucks, so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, no conversations like that. He's, uh, I mean, to have yourself described in similar breaths as Connor McDavid, what's that like? Because obviously, like, whether or not you'd like to admit it, you're considered a generational talent, and it looks that way so far. But you've also been a hockey fan, and you've seen the otherworldly things that some of these guys do. What's it like hearing stuff like that said about yourself? Um, I think it's cool at first, for sure, when, you know, I think when I was younger, I got the exceptional status thing, and it's kind of just the other guys that are God, and it's like, you know, I'm in the same sentence in this way as that guy, which is, is pretty sweet. But once you hear it a bit and, you know, it is, he's unreal, like you all know. But uh, for me, I'm just trying to be myself. And um, I think everyone loves to do comparisons or who you play like, but no no two players or person are the same. So just kind of be me and, and let the outside noise be what it is. Sure, you guys have been asked like a million times about the players that you idolize as kids. What about the players that you despised as kids or you were like particularly uh-huh. did not like, you know, because everybody has those guys. Where you're like, oh, that guy's a rat. Like any of those Charlie guys. Charlie McAvoy mind- famously when he was drafted. Remember when Charlie McAvoy was drafted, there was an old tweet of his oh, from yeah. like two years earlier yeah, because he was a Rangers that. fan. That was like the Bruins, fucking so hate the Bruins <laughs> man. Yeah. I saw that with uh, Morgan Frost, too. Oh, really? With Philly. Okay. Yeah, I'd like a tweet when he was 13, 14, whatever. It's pretty funny. So God, yeah. That stuff. Yeah, funny yeah. But world, right? in terms of players, is there anybody that you ju- jumps out as like, man, I really couldn't stand that guy as like a fan when I was younger? I think, well, I think it's Matt Cook. I was sure. a far, uh, Carlson fan. Okay. So when he took his, like, I think it was his Kelly's, like, I was pretty pissed off. But like, <clears throat> obviously, like, it was just a freak accident. But as a kid, you don't really get that. So, um, but yeah, not really any, like, teams or players, I feel. I feel like you just, like, you're cheering on your favorite team and whoever's whoever they're playing against like that's the opponent i guess so well, I mean, that was also I'm, matt I'm, cook's like 15th fan when he you know not not the biggest fan of what he did to savard so like yeah, yeah he's one of those guys that like there are those guys that have the reputations or just like even a teammate of yours now Corey perry <laughs> was not the biggest yeah. fan of opposing fan bases so anybody like that for you um no i don't think any players uh, I was a Canucks fan growing up, so like, you know, maybe they're some of the teams they were playing, but nothing sticks out you, too much. So, the Bruins, so you were five, you right? In you were five when they were in the Cup final, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, is the, about almost six? Is there much of a? I was actually calculating that the other day. I was like, yeah. so he's born this yeah. month, June fifteenth was when. Uh, was there much of a memory of that? And, and what's cool, at least, is that rivalry linger, lingered for like another few years. Mm-hmm. Marshawn kept doing shit to them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like, did you have an understanding of that? Do you remember that? I remember the finals. I remember that run pretty well, actually. Like they beat Chicago mm-hmm. um, with the Burroughs OT goal, which was yep. pretty cool. And then I was at game five against San Jose when BXA got that off the stanchion. Mm-hmm. So I was in the crowd for that. And then um, the Bruins won, I remember. And I remember just crying for like oh. a week or whatever, little kid, <laughs> big Canucks fan. Best so, time of my life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it sucked. <laughs> Can you imagine what it would be like in either of you playing on a stage like that? Yeah, I think 
for me this summer, we did the prospects thing and we went to Vegas um, for that final. And there's like, cause it's year a little closer to getting drafted and, you know, trying to play in the league and everything. And I was like, you know, this is it's just so much added motivation being there and watching. And um, yeah, I mean, that's what we work towards every day and that's the end goal. And um, yeah, I can't even imagine getting to, you know, lift it over my head. How much do you appreciate the foundation that was laid by Kane and Taves here? Um, like, obviously, not even just the banners, but, you know, the transition from their era to now you guys' era. Um, just, like, what they've built here, how much do you appreciate it? Or does it add extra pressure for you guys uh, as well? Well, I think they're just legends. Like, obviously, what they did for Chicago, like, <clears throat> having the three cups, like, it's kind of crazy what they're able to do in such a short time. So like, um, just the legacy they built here, and obviously, yeah, like, um, probably is a bit more pressure wearing wearing the logo just because it means so much and it's been so good. But I think at the same time, it's kind of cool that you get to be part of such like a historic team and team that's been so good for so many years. So um, I think I take it as a privilege. So it's cool. Um, yeah, I think for us growing up, we were kind of right in that era of. Mm -hmm. Um, then maybe not the first one for me, but the second and third, especially, I remember really well. And you just see how much the fans in the city gets behind them. And of course, I mean, there were so many guys on those teams, but Cannon Taves being maybe the most notable, I guess. But I mean, you could go down the list. I mean, uh, but yeah, just kind of getting the chance to hopefully build something like that and um, be in an original six and, and here with these fans, it's special. And um, you know, for us, I don't, I don't see it as pressure. It's just kind of, you know, like a, a privilege, like Kev said. Uh, Kevin, you're a musician. Yeah, you could say so. Guitar. So, <laughs> where do you better player, guitar or piano? Uh, piano. I, I grew up um, playing piano. My mom wanted me to play piano, so um, <clears throat> started with my sister. She didn't like it so much, so I had to do it. Um, rolled with that, and then grade, I think grade nine, I quit <clears throat> just to focus on like hockey and school, and then. Just last uh, last winter at the World Juniors, a lot of guys playing guitar, and I thought it was the coolest thing. So um, I got one, tried it, and I loved it. So been uh, been playing kind of ever since. Does the team know? Look, they want to make you a healthy scratch. Fine, I'm just gonna get on the organ and rip some yeah, dope I, shit up there. I, and I don't steal think the show so. either way. I don't think I have the the talent for that one. But uh, yeah, it's just it's, I don't know. I like I like it. it's fun to play guitar just in your free time. Like you have so much. I feel like free time where you can just kind of learn a new thing rather than just kind of sitting on sitting in the bed what uh kind of stuff can you play um i like a lot of country stuff i'm from saskatoon so country's pretty big there so just kind of learning like uh morgan wallen or zach brown or just kind of like uh throwback like cold play um my dad is a big cold play guy so it uh kind of rubbed off on me and i, I like their songs too four country music four chords is going to unlock it all yeah, so as yeah long as it's you know super easy g c a minor yeah, d you, you are need. You're, You're sat for like basically like all the songs. Any hidden talents on your end? I just play hockey, guys. <laughs> yeah, hockey. Fair enough. That's all yeah. I do. <laughs> Love it. What a perfect ending. I just play hockey. Oh, That's all God. I do. Great, like clearly great kids. And we asked them, like, you guys aren't dicks, right? And like they aren't, which is fucking crazy. Because yesterday, yeah. a million years ago, Hotshot kids coming up, they think they're you know what doesn't you know what, but they just play hockey and they're just nice fucking children. No, they rock. And this is one of the best years for rookies in the NHL that I can remember in, in quite a while. I mean, they're the list of guys 
that are fun to watch in their first year this year is very extensive. I mean, you got Bedard, you got Korchinski, Logan Cooley, Pavel Mintikov, Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli, Luke Hughes, yeah. Matthew Patra, Marco Rossi, Brock Faber, Matthew Nyes, yep. Devin Levi, Lucas, even Lucas Dostal in uh, in Anaheim in net has been like, there's so many guys that have come out of nowhere, and that's like not even mentioning Zach Benson, who had an incredible camp and was very fun to watch and haven't seen him do much for the Sabres to this point. But like, this got to be one of the most electric rookie years in recent memory. I completely agree because as you were like five to ten names deep in that list, I was like, has he even said Matthew Nyes yet? Or has he yeah. even said Luke Hughes yet? And it's insane. By the way, uh, if you want more from the Blackhawks, and you're listening in podcast form, make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube page. It takes nothing. doesn't cost you anything. It just puts our stuff front and center for you when you want it, when it comes out. On the YouTube page this week, we will also have our sit-down with Alex Vlasic and Wyatt Kaiser, mm -hmm. a couple of also great kids and good young players for the Blackhawks. They're obviously in good hands going forward. While we're talking about young players, I think we need to talk about Bruins general manager Don Sweeney, because I am wondering if he put the Bruins in cap jail so he could win GM of the year for how he has handled being in cap jail. Because not only has he signed a bunch of old players to one-year, $1 million deals that look great, pretty much, most of them, JVR. I would say. JVR, great. Lucic, before he got hurt, really good in his role. Kevin yeah. Shattenkirk, Maybe jury's still out. We'll yeah. see. But it's not just the we have no money to spend, so we'll sign guys to one-year, one-million-dollar deals. It's we'll rely on young players and for a team that historically, always seemingly, every year by the Athletic, ranked dead last in farm system. Matty Potra, who you mentioned, one point off the rookie lead in points. He's got seven this year. John Beecher and Mason Lorai last night scored their first NHL goals to lead the Bruins past a very good Stars team and a Stars team that is playing well. And Beecher's goal, if you don't know who Johnny Beecher is, good college player who, who the Bruins drafted in the first round because he's American and tall and nobody really thought he was going to be much of an NHL prospect. They wondered if he would get an extended run even in the NHL and he's been a good bottom six forward for them. He scores his first last night. Picks a corner in doing so. Like it, it, was, it, was, it was a, nasty it was a goal. fucking sick goal. It yeah. wasn't Both of a them were good. tall American who's not very good at hockey goal that goes in off his ass. Like he could actually shoot. And I think, as somebody who, side note, Don Sweeney hates like poison. I think oh, that yeah, Don, Don Sweeney Don really Sweeney, does. Not, not a lot like of people, you. I think, care about me enough to think any sort of way about me. Don Sweeney doesn't like me when I covered the Bruins. Was let's say realistic about the job he was doing at points. I like Don Sweeney, but I think for all the flack he's gotten over the years, again, maybe some of it a little bit every now and then was from me. 
asking him why he wasn't fired at the uh, at the uh, Bruce Cassidy firing I press think, conference. From I think all the Sweeney, things that we've done to get content this year, I think my favorite is going to Bruins practice and seeing Cam Neely and Don Sweeney and you running into Cam Neely and he'd be like, DJ, good to see you. Very, like, Peek very friendly. The curtain, Cam Neely is super supportive of, like, of this show. This yeah. And just like very happy and nice. And then immediately after you seeing Don Sweeney, he'd be like, yeah, hi, DJ. <laughs> Hello, DJ. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have Don Sweeney on at some point to Would be like, to. I fucking like you, man. To answer your question, though, um, I don't even know if you asked a question, but like, does Don Sweeney, was, are, we, are, we, are we shortchanging Don Sweeney yes. on his credit? I don't think so, um, <laughs> at least not yet. Um, number one, like John, John Beecher, even if he turns into like a great bottom six player, great, nice. You hit on that pick. It's still a first-round pick whose ceiling was bottom six player, and I don't love those. And I know that you kind of like if you get an NHL player out of your first-round pick, you kind of you kind of kind of hit, yeah. Um, but like he had a tendency of doing that, where it was just like we just wanted him to take a shot, and he's gotten a little bit better about taking shots. Um, but my big thing is, uh, yes, he's hit on seemingly hit on some some recent guys and Patra high on the list Mm -hmm. but you kind of like found some magic beans with Matthew Patra right because it it just came out of nowhere he's he was forced into a position where they needed him and he has come up big which credit to Sweeney credit to Patra for sure but the problem is is that they've lacked those guys over the past several years and like you should have a constant stream of those guys coming up where you're you're kind of lucking into or like getting a uh, a surprise positive impact from guys in the system and that helps put you over the top and that helps you with your roster flexibility and they're just finding that now and I think that they're all coming up at around the same time. So my question is, now who's some behind socks. them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's You've made fun of the system for a while. The system has been towards the bottom of the league for a while. Now we've seen some guys who have surprised us. Who's behind them? Who's next in line? Because I, I couldn't tell you anybody who's next in line. That is such a good point uh, th- about you're supposed to get some of those random hits anyway. Like That's kind of baked into the overall... Uh, process of using draft picks of hopefully you hit on your first round picks your second depending on where you're picking in the first your first and second round picks kind of have the similar chance of hitting you want to get those to be players but every few years your fifth round pick will be really good Mm -hmm. or the goalie that you took at the end of the draft will end up being a player something like that those are the sort of kind of extras that happen anyway those are happening to the Bruins right now you are right kind of all at once and you do include a first round pick in there because it was a first round pick who was considered a reach. And we didn't, we haven't spoken much about Mason Lowry when he was drafted. It was the Tim Heidecker, huh? <laughs> like they took him in the second round and a lot of, uh, a, a lot of places were like, we don't know much about this guy actually. And people were like, God, they're going off the board again. And he, he rocks. He's got size. He's fluid. I think that he's my favorite of the young Bruins players. I, I think that he probably with, has the highest ceiling. And maybe like next to Patra, I think they're probably like a 1A, 1B. But Laura, I think his ceiling looks pretty high. Uh, the big question right now is does he stick? Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Grizzlick and Forbert, like there is somewhat of a log jam on the, on the back end when everybody's healthy. 
And the question has become already two games into Lorai's career is, does he stick around? And if so, who's on the outs? And I don't want to get too deep into the Bruins weeds here. So I'll just ask you straight up, like, do you think that he sticks around based off of what you've seen from two games? Well, part of it is what he's shown, but also you have to consider what the the coaching staff has shown. I believe he got benched for a little bit in that game last yeah after night. the after the stars goal uh he was caught a little flat-footed yeah and, i mean his big drawback has been from what i've paid attention to over the past year or whatever uh not unbelievable defensively he he's got some room to grow there but his his offensive from what i've seen his offensive skill set is awesome and the confidence with which he's playing in his first two games has really kind of struck me because He's not afraid to activate. He's not afraid to jump into the play. He's not afraid to even get down low uh, in the offensive zone. And that that confidence for a young defenseman is is striking to me because in like I'm not an NHL player. I never have been, never will be. Uh, surprise. But if I were to get a, jump into a, my NHL career as a defenseman, I I'd be terrified to make a mistake. And so I think I would play a little bit more conservatively, even if I was an offensive defenseman. So the boldness with which he's played in his first couple of games has has been impressive to me. I think Grizzlick has always struck me as the hockey trade guy on this roster once he's healthy, but his dad works for the team and like there's just such a family uh, element there. This Let me point did, you to one Ryan Donato. I was, gonna say, <laughs> I was just about to say, but this team traded Ryan Donato yeah. and... But they did it to, you know who they traded him for? Charlie Coyle. So they did it to kind That's of do true. the same sort of yeah. shit, to do like Bruins, American local guy. You're only allowed to trade a Boston guy if you're getting a Boston guy in return. Right. I mean, and that's just part of, it's another story for another time. I, mean, I also that, think that, that Derek Forbert, his PK impact is pretty amazing. I think that, I'm not the biggest Derek Forbert fan. He's a fine player. I think that he's a guy that at some point they're going to need for stretches to be like, yo, can you just get out there, kill penalties, get yeah. in front of some shots. So I think the low ride ends up sticking somehow, whether it's through injury or them making a move. I just don't know who's going to be the odd man out. Let's get to our three stars. And uh, for my three stars, I'd like to give a shout out to Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> there, uh, the Predators are playing the Flames tonight. Mm -hmm. And back in 2013, I don't know if you remember this, O'Reilly was in a, some sort of RFA contract dispute with the Colorado Avalanche, and the Flames signed Ryan O'Reilly to a big uh, offer sheet. Do you remember this? I don't. They signed him to an offer sheet that the Avalanche matched. The Flames didn't know that... Because they were coming back from the lockout, there was some machinations of this all where in order for them to add him to their roster, they were going to have to put him through waivers. So if the Avalanche had not matched that, they the Flames were about to give up, what was it, a first round pick, three first round, but whatever the yeah. thing was, because this was a big contract. Right. They were about to just lose uh, a bunch of first round picks for or nothing. draft picks for nothing because the first incredible. team in the waiver process would have just been like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. That'd be incredible. So that was just a fun story. I remember and I wanted, I, we gave uh, Ryan O'Reilly was two of my stars yesterday. So I wanted to think of a way to work him in today. And yeah, there's that flames uh, little story. Do you my, have any stars? Uh, yeah. My star, I'm doing a preemptive, 
preemptive star. Uh, my star is the Philadelphia Flyers, who I knew to absolutely win tonight <laughs> against the San Jose Sharks <laughs> to set up uh, my Super Bowl later uh, later this week on Thursday with Sharks Oilers. Are you going to bet the Flyers tonight to make it a little more interesting? Uh, no, my I, I don't think so. I got to look at this sh- the the chart. Your I, bet I'm, tonight I'm is big, Connor McDavid to win Hart. <laughs> yes, no, my big bet tonight is uh, on the Red Wings to uh, to beat the. New York Rangers. All right, that's enough chaos for one day. We will be back tomorrow to recap everything that happens in the NHL tonight. Hopefully, for Pete's sake, a Flyers win. For Pete's sake, I didn't Please. do that on purpose. Yes. All right, what chaos. Bye-bye. Talk to you tomorrow.